Hey everyone, welcome back to Adhering Apologetics. I'm so pumped you're joining us today. As always, this podcast is brought to you guys at patreon.com slash Apologetics. Today my guest is Dr. Hugh Ross. We're going to talk about his life and his major influences. Um, I'll bring him up right now. In case you don't know who Dr. Hugh Ross is, he's an astrophysicist and an author. He's the founder and senior scholar of Reasons to Believe, an organization that researches and communicates how discoveries about nature harmonize with the words of the Bible. His books include The Creator and the Cosmos, Why the Universe is the Way It Is, Improbable Planet, and Designed to the Core. So, Dr. Ross, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited for today. We're going to talk about the people, the events, the ideas that have influenced you the most. Uh, so to get started, do you want to talk a little bit about like your story? So how did you become a Christian, Dr. Ross? Well, I was born, raised, and educated in Canada. I didn't really get to meet any serious Christians until I started my postdoctoral research at Caltech. Uh, but I got interested in astronomy when I was seven years of age. I wanted to know why the stars were hot. And so my grade two teacher took us on a field trip to the Vancouver Public Library, and I immediately began to read every book I could find on physics and astronomy. I was reading four or five books a week. And every year I would go into a different subdiscipline of astronomy. As when I was 16, uh, that I spent time studying cosmology, uh, the origin and history of the universe. And that's when I realized of all the different models for the history of the universe, the one that was overwhelmingly fitting the observations was the Big Bang Theory. And I knew if the universe uh, was Big Bang, it had a beginning. If it had a beginning, there had to be a cosmic beginner. And so starting in age 17, I went on a quest to find that cosmic beginner. And I really didn't know where to look, but I thought a good place to start would be the philosophers that uh, talked about the universe. So I went through Immanuel Kant's uh, Critique of Pure Reason, uh, went through some writings of, of René Descartes, and realized that these Enlightenment philosophers didn't have the right concepts of space and time and had, had mistaken ideas about the universe. So I began to look elsewhere. And the high school I went to was filled with refugees from around the world. So a lot of my friends were saying, hey, why don't you check out Hinduism? Why don't you check out Buddhism or Zoroastrianism or Islam? So I began to go through the world's holy books and test them what I knew to be true from the latest findings in astronomy and physics. And I realized that the Hindu idea of a reincarnating universe uh, that goes through multiple beginnings uh, once every 4.32 billion years, that couldn't be correct. Uh, I found several contradictory statements in the Buddhist commentaries in the Quran and Baha'i and Zoroastrianism. And finally, I did pick up a Bible. And when I tell people I didn't get to know serious Christians until I showed up at Caltech, I did get to see two from 30 feet away when I was 11 years of age. And these were two businessmen that came into our public school and put two boxes on our teacher's desk and left without saying a single word. But in those boxes were Gideon Bibles. So at age 17, I began to go through that Gideon Bible. And typically studying it between midnight and two in the morning, secretly, didn't, uh, I was aware that I'd run into quite a bit of ridicule. People found out what I was doing. So I did this all in secret. Uh, but at the end of 18 months of studying the Bible, 
I realized this book got all the science right. It got all the history right. Moreover, it consistently and accurately predicted future scientific discoveries and future historical events. It also described uh, teachings about God and the universe that couldn't be explained in the context of just length, width, height, and time. So I said, this message must come from a being that can comprehend reality beyond length, width, height, and time. And so it was those discoveries uh, that motivated me to go to the back page of that Gideon Bible and assign my name. I mean, the Gideons don't let you off the hook. Once you're convinced that this book is true, they give you a place to sign your name, committing your life to become a follower of Jesus Christ and to allow him uh, to be the one uh, that uh, runs your life. And so I did that at age 19. And I also recognize that becoming a follower of Jesus Christ is being committed uh, to share the evidence that he does exist. So I began to share my faith uh, right after signing my name in that Gideon Bible. Wow, that's such an amazing testimony, Dr. Ross. Thank you. Did you ever know what happened to that Gideon Bible that you signed? Yeah, it's right here. <laughs> <laughs> the cover is gone because our dog chewed the cover off. Oh, no. uh, you can still see that little last page where I signed my name, uh, committing my life to Jesus Christ. So, yeah, that's one of the treasures I have, but it's rapidly decaying. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, an amazing story. So you became a Christian and science was obviously an important part of your journey from like when you were like a little kid. Uh, what led you into the world of science? What got you so interested in like cosmology? Well, again, it began when I was seven because I looked up at the sky in Vancouver where it rains all the time. And there was this one night where I could see the stars. And I was very curious. I remember asking my parents, Mom, Dad, are those stars hot? I said, yes, they are, son. Can you tell me why they're hot? I said, no, we can't. So that's when I went to the library and found out why the stars are hot. And just reading those, I remember coming home with these books on physics and astronomy. I read one at the library and took five more home. And I, it just grabbed me. I was so fascinated by what I was reading. And from the age of eight onwards, I knew that my future career would be as an astrophysicist. Hmm. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Um, what, like, in your journey, Dr. Ross, like, who were some of the people that, like, influenced you the most? It seems like you had a good idea of where you were going pretty young. Like, but who were some of the people that influenced you and shaped you as you continued to, like, grow? Well, I was very impressed as an undergraduate uh, with the work by James Clark Maxwell. I mean, a lot of people think Isaac Newton's the greatest physicist that ever lived. Most physicists would say, no, it's Maxwell. I mean, he literally launched and put together the whole discipline of electromagnetic theory and thermodynamics. Uh, he died in his 40s uh, from a stomach condition. Uh, but people looked at his papers. He was on the verge in the 19th century of discovering both quantum mechanics and relativity brilliant man. And he actually uh, stimulated Albert Einstein uh, in his work. And, uh, you know, I was always admired his brilliance and his dedication to studying physics. Decades later, I discovered he was one of the top leaders in the Presbyterian Church. Like me, he became a Christian as an adult and became very committed to sharing his faith with unbelievers. So he's one of my heroes to this day. 
uh, and I, I'm always talking to scientists saying, hey, we got a role model here. Uh, let's follow him. Uh, but I also was dramatically impacted when I showed up at the Caltech campus. And uh, there was this astronomer there, David Rogstad, and he was different from the other astronomers. And I quickly discovered that he was a follower of Jesus Christ. But he not only believed the Bible, he lived it. And so he showed me an example of what walking in the power of the Holy Spirit is all about. Uh, he's the first serious Christian I got to know. And I, I credit him with helping me to find a Bible-believing church. I was not able to find one in Canada, uh, but he, he assisted me in finding one. So I'm attending a church between the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and Caltech. Uh, I began attending that church in my 20s, and within seven months, they put me on the pastoral staff. I'm still on the pastoral staff at that church, and it was that church that helped me launch Reasons to Believe 37 years ago. It's amazing how the Lord uses the little connections um, that maybe you think wouldn't even become something significant to uh, make very big, big, like dramatic, like impact, like throughout your whole life. So that's amazing. Um what are some of the events that influenced you, Dr. Ross? Like what happened, like what has happened like through the course of your life that's really shaped you? Well, I'd also like to give credit uh, to a grade one teacher that I only had for six weeks. Huh. At the end of the school year, our family moved. And, uh, you know, I was failing everything in grade one because I wasn't talking and I had a disability where I couldn't make a pencil. Uh, make numbers or letters. I was literally failing everything. But it was that teacher one week before the end of the school year said, stay after school. She waited till all the other uh, pupils had left and said, I'm going to ask you questions about these books. You don't have to say a word, just nod your head for yes and shake your head for no. And mm -hmm. she had determined that I had read and understood the 30 books on her desk. And so she said, I'm going to talk to the principal and see if we can get you into grade two. Hmm. So I got into grade two thanks to that teacher. I was seated in the last chair of my grade two classroom. But by the end of grade two, I was in the first chair because by that time I could make letters and numbers. And I said, hey, if I don't start talking, I'm going to be in trouble again. So I forced myself to talk. Uh, and decades later, uh, and when I visited my parents, I was 34 years of age and said, your grade one teacher wants to have tea with you. I said, this is weird. I only had her for six weeks. Why does she want tea? And I went over to her apartment and when she opened the door, I saw a wall with newspaper clippings on me. Mm. She had followed my career from grade one all the way up. And uh, over tea, she said that she was a follower of Jesus Christ and said, from the time that you were six years of age, I've been praying that you would use your science for the glory of God. She had no idea I'd become a Christian. So you can imagine the celebration we had uh, over mm. that day. That's an amazing story of like God's like handiwork, like in your life, Dr. Ross, like from the beginning in ways that like you or that woman like had no idea um, what would happen. I, I don't know. I just think that's super amazing and inspiring to just hear. Although it wasn't for that teacher, I would have had to repeat grade one. And who knows, I might even have had to repeat it again, because at that time, 
There was really no knowledge about what the autism spectrum disorder is all about. And mm. I could have, it could have really seriously ha- handicapped my development. Wow. So as you progressed in your career, Dr. Ross, and you became a Christian, um, what were you reading? And like, what were some of the books that like shaped you the most as you've continued to like grow in your faith and whatnot? Well, people always ask me, what's your favorite stuff to read besides the Bible? <laughs> I said, well, scientific journals. I remember <laughs> I was on an airplane once reading the Astrophysical Journal, and the woman beside me said, uh, what do you read for fun? I said, well, this is what I read for fun. <laughs> because I'm so, I get so excited about these new discoveries in science that make a stronger case for my Christian faith. I mean, for example, every week uh, I write an article called Today's New Reason to Believe, where I take some scientific discovery from the past few days published in scientific literature and explain to lay people how this gives us a much stronger case for our Christian faith. So that's my favorite thing to read. And uh, I wish I had more time to read. I wish I had more time to write. I mean, if I had the time, I could put out 10 articles a day. Because that's so many research papers are being published that make a stronger case for a Christian faith. I'm curious, Dr. Ross, like, what are your daily habits like? Because it seems like to me, like, you're always learning, you're always reading, you're always like coming on and doing podcasts, with, like people like me and all these people on the internet and whatnot. Um, and you're always speaking and engaging, like, like, how are you doing so much? Like, what are your daily habits like that have really helped you throughout your life, Dr. Ross? Well, uh, you kind of nailed it. I mean, uh, I'm, a, I'm a compulsive learner. I like learning things. Mm-hmm. Uh, ideation is my stop, top strength, which means I like discovering new things that haven't been understood before. And so part of my uh, life is you know, reading comprehensively across a wide number of scientific disciplines because I realize most of my peers are extremely specialized. They're an expert on one subdiscipline within their scientific field. And so it's one reason why I founded Reasons to Believe, to find Christians who are scientists with an ability to do interdisciplinary research. Because it's through integrating across all the sciences uh, that we can actually come up with these exciting new evidences for the Christian faith. I also do that with the Bible, integrating across all 66 books of the Bible. So in our church, I'm always exhorting the members of our church, you need to be doing comprehensive, rapid Bible reading. Uh, You know, a lot of people say, okay, I'm, I'm committed to read through the Bible in one year or two years. I said, how about six weeks? Read through the whole Bible in six weeks. And they said, well, I can't get everything out of it. Who says you have to? You're going to read it more than once, right? So, uh, you know, read it quickly with a theme in mind. And then when you're done with that, read it again with a different theme in mind. Uh, But it's through that rapid Bible reading, you can actually see how the content of all 66 books integrates together in a very seamless, consistent way. Uh, So that's my uh, tool for making new discoveries from the book of Scripture And likewise, it's my tool for making discoveries from the book of nature. And here, the whole foundation of reasons to believe is to introduce people to the book of nature 
to bring them to the book of scripture and into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hmm. It seems like it's amazing. And I love how you read widely. And I think that's something so important that people can take away. What about like with like your work and like your work ethic and things like that? Are there things you've learned about maybe like finding like time, like maybe isolating an hour or two a day to, to like write or like, do, do, are there things like that that have helped you like throughout your career and your journey? Yes. Uh, one of the great challenges is getting the time to do the research and writing. And so, uh, you know, I'll go into my office. I close the door. I close the blinds so I can't see what's outside. Keep it pretty quiet. Uh, make sure I got time to focus. And one thing I've done at Reasons to Believe is actually designate days where our scientists and our theologians have protected time. No meetings. Uh, they can't be interrupted during that time. They don't take phone calls. And so uh, that's been a help. But it's still a struggle because things come up that are emergencies. And so it's like, okay, uh, we're going to have to interrupt your writing time. And what I tell our scientists and theologians, grab whatever time you can. So you know, if I walk into a bank and there's 25 people ahead of me, I say, wow, it's going to take me probably half an hour before I get waited upon. Uh, but that's when I haul out my uh, laptop and begin to actually do some work. It's like, okay, I got 30 minutes here where I'm not, rather than get angry at having to wait this long, let's get something done. Mm. And I, the place, in fact, one of our scientists actually gave an acknowledgement to his doctor in his book because he got so much work done in the waiting room of his office. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, Dr. Ross, I was looking at the demographics even today of people that are listening like to my podcast, and it's predominantly young men in that like 18 to 25, 26 to 30 range. And that's not everyone. So if you're listening to this right now, you're like, that's not me. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just looking at the majority. Um, and that's, that's the general range of who we get listening um, to here in apologetics. What advice would you give to people um, who may be interested in apologetics, interested in philosophy, interested in science, and they just want to grow? Like, what advice would you give? Well, it's interesting you make that comment because I'm a lot older than you are. Uh, but guess what? My predominant audience is uh, men uh, 18 uh, to 35 years of age. Mm, that's so, amazing. Well, I think what's interesting is, and I notice particularly single men uh, seem to be really wanting to dive in and make some serious study. So, uh, you know, and I got a lot of women and older people to participate too, but my dominant audience is young men. And, uh, you know, my advice to them is find something, whether it be a work, a career, because a lot of these uh, young men and women, they're looking for a career. You want to find a job uh, where you enjoy it. It's something where you want to go to work rather than you have to go to work. Hey, you're going to be on this planet for a few decades. Let's make sure you're doing something you really enjoy and make sure you're doing something you're really good at. And so what I notice in the Paul's writings in Corinthians, he makes the point that every one of God's followers has a gift uh, where they can do things that most people can't do, but they also have handicaps and deficiencies. What I love about Paul's writings, he says, God wants to get glory through your deficiencies and your handicaps. And I mentioned earlier, 
uh, a big handicap I have as I'm on the autistic spectrum. Uh, but I've found ways that God uses that uh, for his glory. And so I, my advice is don't just try to serve God through your strengths. Serve God through your weaknesses and deficiencies as well. And realize, you know, I can't present the gospel perfectly. I'm not well prepared. If God was worried about that, he would send the angels. Instead, he tells the angels to sit down and he uses us human beings. Why? Because through the sharing of our faith, as it says in 1 Corinthians, uh, we're to always look for opportunities to share good reasons for the faith and hope we have in Jesus Christ and do so with gentleness and respect. And it's through those opportunities we see our character being transformed in the image of Christ. So what's the secret to living the Christian life? Sharing your faith and getting good feedback from other Christians and the non-Christians you share with. You know, I always make it a point when I see that things don't go as well as I had hoped. Can you tell me where I was arrogant or obnoxious in the way I shared my Christian faith? I've discovered non-Christians are really eager to tell you. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, that's a good tool even for myself. Uh, Dr. Ross, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you and your time and just everything that you're doing uh, through your work and through Reasons to Believe. Is there any like last thoughts or things you want to share before we wrap up here? Well, keep in mind that we're headed for the new creation. And the new creation, uh, we're going to be rulers and judges and teachers over the angels and everything else that God has created. And in preparation, we are the recipients of God's grace. The angels watch the grace of God. We experience the grace of God. And as Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation, but take heart of overcome the world. The tribulation is actually an important factor in preparing us for our future careers and roles in the new creation. So just be aware God is doing a mighty work in the life of every believer. And for the unbelievers that are out there, put it to the test. That's how I came to faith in Jesus Christ. I saw what Paul wrote, test everything, hold on to that which proves to be good. So I think this is the way we can encourage people that are not yet followers of Jesus Christ, put it to the test, and that testing doesn't stop. I'm still testing my faith on a daily basis. It's through the testing of my faith, I can develop a stronger faith. Well, Dr. Ross, thank you so much for coming on today. I've left inspired, and I'm sure many people listening uh, will as well. Uh, I'll leave a link down below where people can follow you, connect with you, uh, things like that. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this is here in Apologetics. I'd encourage people, if you're new here, to like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And if you like videos like this, where we're kind of looking at like the life and habits and events of great thinkers through our generations, uh, be sure to check out the playlist down below. But Dr. Ross, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you and your time. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Have a good one, everyone, and God bless.